Hi and a warm welcome to Know Your Onions. This is a brand new podcast series by cultural architects and transformation agents for business managers dealing with global collaboration challenges. So it's all about hacks for working across cultures, really. My name is Sam Audibert, and today I'm in Shanghai together with my highly respected colleague, Laura Mutcherson. Hi, Laura. Hi, Sam. Nice to be here. Today's podcast is the first episode of getting to the bottom of successful Chinese-European collaboration models. Um, before we dive in, could you please give us a quick introduction on yourself, Laura, as well as ICU in China, um, a brief history of our office here in Shanghai, um, and what our clients look like? Absolutely. Thank you very much. So I'm the China MD for ICUNet, um, sitting in Shanghai for the last uh, 20, 21 years or so. Uh, so most of my um, uh, career has been China-based in East China, uh, but always with roles that take me across most across a lot of the key financial and economic centers in China. Um, uh, ICUNet came into China about seven years ago, and we've been supporting um, um, European businesses here with a range of um, uh, workshops, training programs and advisory services related to collaborating successfully and working successfully in China and ensuring high performance in the organizations that, uh, that they work in. Um, a range of different sectors and um, a little bit about me personally is that I'm um, British, um, I have a local Chinese husband and two kids who were born here and uh, an addiction problem. I'm a little bit addicted to watching China, so that's that's my background. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Laura. Let's get straight down to the nitty-gritty um, of a European-Chinese collaboration model. And today we're looking into joint ventures. Um, so China's becoming more and more a melting pot of international joint ventures. From your perspective, Laura, what are the reasons for the large number of newly formed joint ventures here in China? Yeah, so I don't I don't talk historically now about the the historic reasons for the original sort of wave of joint ventures. I think it's much more interesting at this stage in China's development to be talking about why we're seeing a rise again in the numbers of joint ventures and that's a lot due to China's declining economy actually, which is not words that those of us who've been in China for a long time have had to say very often because we've been the graphs have been going up in China for so many years. Um, but China's economy is declining and the foreign multinationals who are here are obviously having to hedge their bets a little bit as to what the future holds. And there is some belief um, in uh, in several sectors, in several industry sectors, that they're going to be safer in a joint venture um, with a core key Chinese partner than they will be exposed as wholly foreign-owned enterprises here. So that dynamic has shifted a bit in the last just two or three years, in fact. They're hoping to share all the the uncertainty of the risk that exists in the economy. Um, and there are some definitely some key advantages of foreign companies are still restricted by the Chinese government in terms of their where they're allowed to invest and how they're allowed to invest in their expansion. So certain sectors are re reserved exclusively for Chinese entities or joint ventures, and that means that that puts the emphasis onto JVs a little bit. Um, very practical approach to understanding the market here and for um, uh, Chinese having a Chinese partner, obviously, that already has experience, a lot of experience doing business in China has got to be a win. Um, and the ability to leverage the Chinese partner's deep local knowledge, deep local contacts, deep local market understanding and so on is what is what companies are going for. Connections as well. So um, connections with um, with the party. Um, and that's 
fundamentally crucially important for a, a lot of, of industries. So there are definitely some disadvantages to <laughs> joint ventures. Um, you know, the process of finding, negotiating with a joint venture partner, it can be very lengthy, can be costly, um, and it's best to have a, a sort of warm business relationship with a, with a Chinese partner, obviously, for those companies considering coming into JV. Um, there's a vulnerability for uh, foreign companies around intellectual property, of course, um, and certain Chinese partners may um, operate from a business operations and a mindset point of view extremely differently from, from the Western European or US um, uh, partners. So, so we see, of course, from the cultural side that um, there's a great deal of performance challenges wrapped up in this uh, merging of, of two cultures. Uh, but those are really the reasons, the key reasons why we've, why we've had a resurgence in JVs in China okay. again recently. Looking at the growing numbers of newly formed joint ventures, international joint ventures here in China, but also obviously the other way around, do you think there are certain trends towards the allocation of industries um, within joint ventures? Um, and if so, what are the reasons for joint ventures forming in specific industries? In industries that see the most JVs, um, the automotive industry is probably one of the most high-profile um, industries uh, populated with a, a large number of uh, high-profile joint ventures. But pharmaceuticals, um, biomed, uh, financial services, all, all see lots of, of joint ventures, financial services across the insurance sector, for example. Um, uh, so they're really in a number of different industries. Now, with your experience here on the ground um, with the 30 um, consultants that we have here in China as well with um, our colleagues in back in Germany. We have accompanied and consulted a number of joint ventures, international joint ventures, um, but especially here in China. And from our experience, the initiation phase is vital, it's key, right? Um, so cultural differences, um, intercultural differences, but also organizational cultural differences can be seen, especially in that phase. And it's a critical phase because it will be the start of a either successful or unsuccessful um, joint venture. So from your perspective, with your experience and expertise, what are the main obstacles for all involved parties in the initiation phase? It's an excellent question. You could, uh, you could answer this question in a complicated way and you can answer it in a simple way. Um, and even though my husband will say I talk too much, I will try and use a few words at this point. Um, it's about mutual understanding and about mutual respect. And those are very nice to hear words. And the reality of how to do that when you are talking about senior executives with um, you know, huge amounts of professional and operational experience on both sides of the fence um, is it's very, very, very challenging. And it involves time and investment. There is no doubt in my mind that um, spending time is the answer to this. You cannot simply assume that the wonderful cultural diversity will blossom from slamming two completely different companies together across, you know, across cultural um, boundaries uh, and borders. It, it simply does not work, and it and it and it's painful for people going through that transformation process. And the people who suffer are the individuals, often at the mid mid to senior levels in the organisation. These people are 
tasked with huge challenges um, and, and feel under a great deal of pressure to get things right um, um, from the top, but also feel pressure from, from below. Once you've got a large number of employees engaged in a joint venture in China, you want to be able to be, to be, able to make it work and to stay on schedule. And it's really with the, with, with the operations and so on, um, and get to a, a high performance level. And the only answer is time to spend time on forging relationships and to understanding your business partner. And if we come back to speaking about Chinese culture, that means uh, fostering strong personal and professional relationships with the people on on, on, on the Chinese side of the joint venture. Um, it, 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 it shouldn't be underestimated. Um, that advice hasn't changed really for the, for the last many, many decades. But time is the answer, time. Um, find time for dinners, find time for conversations, um, and a very humble approach will never will never be a bad thing. Um, and that, that's challenging at a senior level for, on, for, for people on both sides of, of the joint ventures that we work with anyway. So uh, time is the answer. Spend time on this issue, for sure. I mean, we could probably spend hours, um, if not days, talking about um, what are the relevant success drivers for an initiation phase especially what kinds of structures and processes you have to have in place in order to make this successful and obviously it's a bigger picture because you have a very very complex ecosystem of shareholders and stakeholders and external partners that come into play and you some somehow have to manage um, all parties involved but breaking it down to what we are convinced is or are one of the, if not the most uh, important success drivers for um, international joint ventures, and that's individual competencies, um, a mindset that you have to bring along, um, that you have also have to develop throughout um, the collaboration, co-designing um, of a um, joint venture, as well as individual expectations. Um, individual needs and challenges that have to be considered in order to make this successful. So, from your perspective, Laura, what are what are these kinds of competencies and mindsets that um, a business manager have, especially from from the Western world, has to bring in um, in order to make um, a joint venture successful um, together with Chinese business partners? Yeah, I mean, I think for, you, for, for, for Europeans, what we have to understand is that we are not as adept at um, creating personal high-trust relationships as we need to be when we're operating in a Chinese business environment. Um, so the Chinese side of the joint venture is very adept at doing this, and they're ahead of us in this, there's no doubt. Um, they want the venture to succeed, and they know that they require relationships to be in place in order to do that. Um, in, in many instances, one side doesn't know what they don't know about the other and the way that they like to operate. And so it's a bit working in the dark. And in business, I don't think we ever want to be working in the dark. I think it's only sensible to, to know as much as we possibly can about our partner. Um, and, and that's the frustrating part of culture, I suppose, is that it, it needs time, but one can't quite be precise about what time, how that time is going to be spent. Um, and, and that is the nature of what we're doing and the work that we do. But um, the, the approaches to facilitating exchange and dialogue and so on has been, they've been well worked on over the last few years at ICUNet, and we now, we now know what works, there's, there's no doubt. Um, so that's very strong. Edward Hall, the 
interculturalist said, you know, culture hides more than it reveals, and strangely enough, it, what it hides, it hides most effectively from its own participants. And I think that couldn't be truer, probably, than in the JV landscape, um, where we have, on both sides, a lack of understanding of the other. Um, and so that... Uh, uh, and when you bring them together in that in that in that moment for business and performance and so on, it's it's highlighted really, mm. and it slows things down. Mm. That's the that's the challenge for me. I mean, the really successful um, managers, whether they're working in China for a wholly foreign-owned entity, or in the JVs, um, the successful ones are those who are able to ask open questions and be open to hearing the answers. Um, I could say don't make assumptions. That's true working cross-culturally anywhere in the world. Don't make assumptions. But what does that really mean? That's hard. Um, the action point from saying don't make assumptions, which is a passive you know, feeling, is to say ask questions. And so if you can ask a question of your Chinese colleague, even if it's a question about something that doesn't seem like it's worthy of a question, then you're on the right track because we assume... Once you're assuming that you know what to question and not what and what not to question, you're on the wrong track generally in China, um, and that is the art to overcoming the indirect direct communication challenge, um, uh, as far as I've experienced it and with the executives that we work with. Trying to keep it short, um, maybe last question. Relationship orientation here in China is key. So Guangxi is. Um, is the most important success driver for making business in China. Um, and that's anywhere, basically. Can you give us a brief introduction on Guangxi and maybe give us an example as well? So I think the number one would be spend time on um, having the space to have dialogue and exchange and knowing that, um, uh, that those moments are really key and of vital importance for the success of the whole thing. Uh, the second one would be to um, to not make the mistake of thinking that the operational stuff can be sorted out before the cultural stuff. Because certainly in China, unless the cultural platform is in place, unless the relationship platform is in place, the operational stuff simply won't get discussed because the trust level isn't there. So get that in place. Um, and I think third, probably for me, would be if in doubt... Try to keep in mind that you would like to be doing all of this without contracts. Now, that's a nonsense thing to say to people in business. Everybody needs contracts, um, and you need them in China. But if mentally you keep in mind, would this work if there wasn't a contract in place to prove whether you know who's right or wrong, because we simply have a good, trusting relationship in place, then you're absolutely on the right lines. Um, so those are my key three takeaways, I think. Thank you very much, Laura, for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to your insights and thoughts and ideas. Um, thank you for sharing your, your hacks for working across cultures in joint ventures and um, settings. So obviously you're knowing your onions. Um, I'm looking forward to, to more in the future to come. Um, so we have you back um, in this podcast series as well. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episodes. And that's it from us today. We say goodbye from Shanghai and thank you for tuning in. Really nice. Thank you, Sam. Bye-bye.